What's going on, family? Pastor Sergio Chavez reporting live and direct to you and yours. And listen, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Hope Huddle Podcast, your place for inspiration, hope, and empowerment. If you only have three years of life left, if you only had three years left to live, it don't matter how old you are right now, most of us are under 35, and for the ones that aren't, if we only had 33 years left to live, what would you do? Would you be able to say that you would leave this earth and you left a life worth living? An impact, something to write about, something to remember, something people would speak about? Did you do enough in the beginning of your life for those last three years that you will live? Are you content? And that's a question we should ask ourselves all the time. I'm not saying you're going to die tomorrow. I'm not that kind of preacher. Those are other churches. We're going to live long. We're all young. Amen? Amen. But you got to ask yourselves every day you wake up, have I done enough? Am I doing enough? Am I in a path or a direction that would allow me to say I lived a good life? You don't have to answer. Just think about it. Just think with me. Just a question. I think about it all the time as well. And I think about that and I ask myself, is that true? Has a, your life been a good exemplary life that in the last three years, if anybody and everybody remembered you only by the last three years, was that good enough? Was that good enough? That's a hard question and it's a hard answer. It's hard to swallow when we think about all of the things we've been through, all of the things we've done, and only you know that and we don't have to say it out loud and I don't need to know, only God knows. But the great thing about answering that question that whether you like the answer or not, I'm here to tell somebody that it's never too late Amen. for the last three years of your life. Yeah. It's never too late to make the last ones count, right. to go out with a bang, to go out with a hoorah, yeah. to go out guns a-blazing like they say in the West. I'm not from the West. <laughs> it's a question I invite you to ask yourself every morning you wake up. It will inspire you to be great to do something different that you did yesterday to move yourself forward, and most importantly, God forward. Because we're all here for one reason. Right. To understand what we're gonna talk about for the next 30 minutes, we must understand that Jesus is and always be, will be our savior, amen? amen? We must understand that Jesus came and he died for every single one of us and every single one of the people that aren't in this room, amen? amen. We must understand that we owe everything to Jesus. We must understand that all glory be to God. And that in order to understand the profundity of what we're going to speak about, you got to understand that you are not in control. The message of today is called, my last days are my best days. My last days are my best days. My last days are my best days. We've been exploring the life of Jesus. Here I go, I'm getting up, don't worry. I'm just walking around pacing. We're in this series, the life of Jesus, the gift of Jesus, the life of Jesus. And I don't know if you know, but the life of Jesus was not only an inspirational story, but it was also a reference book. It was a guidebook. It was a complete step-by-step -step on how we need to live from birth to death. Did you know that? You know why a lot of people don't know that? Because a lot of people only remember Jesus by three things. He was born, he saved the earth, and then he died. That's all we remember a lot of the time. Jesus came, he was born, he was born in a stable, we heard, we're along the donkeys and the pigs and everything. He was a humble beginning. And then he came and he started preaching and then he died on a cross. 
Do you often think about if there was more to Jesus than just that? Than just those three little things? I asked that question about the last three years of your life because three is a holy number in the Bible. It's a significant number. We're going to dive deep. Say three. three. Hold up three. Remember that number. We're going to be speaking about it. So it turns out that Jesus has a lot more to him than just his crucifixion, his death, and his birth. It turns out that Jesus was born humbly, like the Bible says. It just turns out that Jesus was born out of a, out of a, out of a, a virgin, like the Bible says. And he had little to no history leading up to the age of 30. How many stories do you hear about Jesus when he was 12, 11, 9? Not much. I wasn't taught many. And it's until I start reading and really digging into the life of Jesus that I realize that Jesus was very, very much like you and I. It turns out that all the way before the age of 30, Jesus was just a regular dude, just like you and I. He worked. He went to church. That's all he did. He didn't do anything special. He didn't heal anybody. He didn't proclaim he was God. He didn't proclaim he was our Savior. It says in the Bible that Jesus, at the age of 12, would just go to church, just like we are right here right now. And he would just attend church, do as his parents told him. And most likely, his father was a carpenter. And in those days, you took up what your father did. So most likely, he was a carpenter. He was a builder. Jesus the builder, just like Bob the contractor. That's who Jesus was. Nothing eventful, right? And we think about that, and we're like, you know, the son of God, the most powerful being that has walked on earth. And all the way up to the age of 30, he's pretty uneventful, unexciting. We only remember the, the, the big things in the story, but today we're going to check out the inner things, the things that no one knows about, those secret things, those things that no one likes to speak about because there's always a nugget of information, a nugget of blessing in the things that people decide not to talk about. You ever experienced that? Everybody always talks about the big thing, but not what happened before or after. And I love the before and after because, again, the life of Jesus was not just that he came and died. The life of Jesus was a guidebook to show us how to move, how to walk, how to think, how to live, how to love, how to fight. Yeah, how to fight. It was a guidebook. And it turns out that Jesus lived with his family. He uh, left at the age of 30. He left home at the, after, at the age of 30. He was a late bloomer. Who's still at home? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> I happened to leave home when I was 16, and that was tough. And I was tough. I learned a lot of things that I needed to learn that I thought I didn't know. I didn't know how to wash clothes. You believe that? I'm a little macho and I'm leaving home and I don't know how to wash clothes. I don't know how to crack an egg into a pan and feed myself. But I wanted to do my own thing. How many, how many times do we want to do our own thing? Instead of waiting for the correct time. Point number one, if you're taking notes, learn to tell time. Learn to tell time. What does it mean to learn to tell time? We all got to watch a phone or anything, right? We all know how to tell time. You can just look at the wall and look at a clock and know what time it is, right? We've all got good at it. We all knew how to, we learned how to tell time in school. I had trouble with the clock thing. I always looked at the, at the watch. Anybody else? I can, you know what I mean? I don't know about looking at that thing and then trying to figure out the hour ends. Anyway, you guys are stiff today. Wake up. And we get so good at watching our, our time and watching at what time it is that we begin to build schedules and lives around a clock, around 12 hours of the day. Because we feel in control. We feel like we got it all together. We're on top of everything. Nothing can escape us because as soon as we know it's certain time, there's certain thing we need to do. Some of us in here got a schedule that's every five minutes, you know what you're going to do. 
I gotta use the bathroom, I gotta go drink water, I gotta go chew a piece of gum, I gotta go do something. Every five minutes, that's fine, that's great. If you gotta do it, fine. But we live through life failing to realize that there's another clock running. And that's God's clock. That's God's time. We're so in control of our 12 hours of the day that we forget that there's a clock running, running that we fail to realize, that we ignore, and sometimes don't even care. And to be fair, sometimes we don't know that it's there. And I thank God that he can speak to us, even like today through our pastors, through what we're trying to teach here. God's time is the only time you need to be worried about. I came to here to tell somebody today that God's time is the most important time. What happens when we live throughout our own time? We have to hurry to do what society says we have to do. I gotta buy my house before I'm a certain age. I have to have a car and I have to have this amount of money. I have to do this and the other before I turn this certain age. Otherwise, I'm a what? I'm a failure. So we have this perpetual race with time that let me tell you something, friend, you will never win. Time will always beat you because as soon as you snooze and relax and take a nap, time already went ahead. But see, God's time is different. While it continues to run, it continues to give you opportunities. Our regular worldly time when it's 12 o'clock and you didn't do what you needed to do at 11 o'clock, too bad. But what God says, I've been telling you something at 12 o'clock for the last 12 years and I need you to listen at 11 o'clock. He's gonna keep repeating it. He's gonna keep showing you. So you know what I did? You don't have to do this, I threw away my watch. Keep your watch, I know you guys, you guys got eye watches. Keep your watch. But in a spiritual sense, I got rid of my time. I got rid of trying to get it all together and have it all under control because I'm extremely bad at doing any of that because we all fail at it. I don't care how good you are. I don't care if you have an assistant. She's gonna double book you one day. (laughs) It happens all the time. And this relates to so many areas of our lives. In my line of work, I'm in construction. I build bridges and highways. I do all kind of weird things like that. Shout out to the boys in the industry, yes sir. And I got this new hire that he comes to on this job site And we spent four months digging a big hole into the ground, 150 feet into the ground, 150 feet. Further than you can, if you fall, you're not gonna make it, trust me. And he comes on and he goes, what are we doing here? I said, we're gonna build a bridge that goes 60 feet in the air. And he goes, why are we spending so much time digging down? That was a reflective moment for me because instead of being like, mira mijo, you sure you know about construction? I had to say, you know what? That's a very, very good question. Sometimes to get high, you gotta go down and build that foundation. You gotta spend some time in that lower area. You gotta spend that time setting up in order to come up. And somehow I answered that way to him. I don't know how the Holy Spirit came upon me and I gave him a spiritual answer on a construction site with a hard hat and a safety vest on. That dude looked at me like I was somebody else. I don't know if you understood, but that wasn't for him to understand, it was for me. That was for me to understand. To really get it down packed. That time spent doing what you need to spend is not time wasted. The time in your preparation is not time wasted. See, between being born and being 29 years of age, Jesus did nothing. It wasn't a runaway success story. He was a regular dude like me, a builder. And he did nothing, but you think that was nothing. That wasn't nothing. 
And I came to here to tell somebody that those times, that time he spent in, in obscurity, in secret, was a time that he was waiting for the right moment. It was a time where he was building himself, yes, as a human, yes, a God, yes, Jesus, building himself for the place he needed to take in the future. A lot of the time, we get rid of time so easily. We, we say, I'm in control, so I got another 30 minutes. Imagine if Jesus, Jesus said that to you. I don't have 30 minutes left for you. I told you that I needed you at one o'clock. It's 2.30, too late. It's not him. He's a righteous God. He's a great God. He's a merciful God. But it doesn't mean we can take advantage of that time. We must learn to tell time. Amen? You still with me? Shortly after that, Jesus, as we continue in a short chronological order of Jesus' life, he began his ministry. But before he did that, you know what he did? Because he was a, a God that understood time. He was a man that understood that time wasn't his, it was God. He went to the Judean desert, and he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. You don't read about that often, do you, either? Remember when we did the Daniel fast? Some of us had IVs. We were about to die after 21 days. Some of us looked like skeletons. Yeah, 40 days and 40 nights. He did that to prepare for his ministry. He didn't step out of time and says, I'm Jesus, I'm God. I can kill every one of you and I'm just going to step into my ministry because I have the right to. He submitted to time, God's time. See, if Jesus would have entered his ministry before the correct time, before the age of 30, he would have been discredited. Why? When we read the Bible, I hope you do, in that time, priests, in order to teach in the temple, in other words, a church, had to be a minimum of 30 years of age. How peculiar that Jesus didn't start earlier. He started when he needed to start. Otherwise, if he would have walked in there at 28, they would have been like, you're a peep squeak. You have no place here. You have no authority. You have no backing. You have no experience. And life will say that to us. That's been said to me. I don't know about you. And when we're thinking about God, the, the world's time, that'll hurt. You don't know what I've been through. Yeah, no one knows what you've been through. When you apply God's time, no one can say that to you. Because only God knows how much time you spent with him in secret and in quiet and prayer and fasting and supplication. Only God knows that. And that is an experience that no one can ever take away from you, an amount of experience, an amount of skill sets and everything that no one can ever discredit you and says you have no place here. However you use the world's time, it's all based on who has a degree, how long you've been doing whatever, Ask me, tell me, brother, would you have been hired if you had no experience in your industry? Absolutely not. I grabbed a shovel when I was 14 years old. I don't have a degree. I don't have any schooling in what I do. I grabbed a shovel at 14 years old. I got him right here to prove him. And thank God I have a position where I don't got to get dirty too much. I just got to go around and making sure people are okay because it took time. It took time. I didn't talk to no big boss and say, hey, cut me to the front of the line and make me a boss because I got blue eyes and I'm good looking. No. <laughs> time is valuable. Because just like God's time is valuable, you got to respect the time that is on earth as well in order to prepare you for God's time. See, every time you take a shortcut, we've covered this many times, pastor, pastor friend, myself. Every time you take a shortcut, you suffer in the end. Because at one point, somebody's going to come and ask you a question that you should have learned at month one, and you're at month 12, and you can't answer it. Wow. What do you do then? You can't go back in time. This ain't back to the future, player. <laughs> time passes, and that's it. You don't get another chance. 
Can you imagine if Jesus acted outside of time? If he was 10 years old, and obviously he's a God on earth, and he says, I'm 10 years old, and I'm going to do what I got to do now. I'm going to go and get up on that cross now at 10. He wouldn't have created disciples. He wouldn't have preached all over the world, his areas. He wouldn't have done the miracles that he did that he was known for. Wine, blindness, all of those things, leprosy. We all heard about him. Should he have moved outside of God's time, many things wouldn't have happened that would have changed the face of eternity for all eternity. Are you with me? Yes. We must learn to tell time. You doing all right so far? Yeah. Don't look at me like that. I'm saying this with love. I ain't scared of you. I'll fight anybody. I love you all. I love you all. I'm just saying this with love. Point number two, learn to let go of fear. Learn to let go of fear. You know, it's one of the things that I can't stand. If you ever get the chance to work with me closely in this ministry or outside, I can't stand fear. I can deal with a lot of things, but I don't like fear. I've been afraid for too long to give it any more minutes of my life. I was afraid of too many things to give it one more day. Fear is dead to me in all things that I do, in all things you will do, in the holy name of Jesus. What happens? How do we, how do we, how do we get fear? How, how does fear grow in us when we move outside of time? Because when you weren't ready and you go into something that demands another level of experience and you can't perform, then that fear creeps in. Creeps in. Can I do this? Do I have the ability? Do I have the, the know-how? That's fear. That's fear right there. And then fear turns into many things. We all know what fear is. I'm scared of spiders. But they're not going to beat me. See, the thing about fear is that you got to accept that it's there, but you got to say, hey, you will not defeat me. I will do what I got to do. I will show up and I will do what I have to do for God. Do you understand how scary it is to be up here right now? And it's not because I'm afraid that if you like me or not. It's because you got to think about if you're going to do justice to God's worth. It's a big responsibility. Super scary to be here. But if you give in to that fear, I would have called out. I wouldn't have completed my mission. I would have extended my time that God has for me. It all ties in. As we continue the, the life of Jesus, he comes into his ministry and he starts preaching. He's already 30 by this time. He starts preaching in churches and in synagogues. And he starts proclaiming boldly, I am the son of God. I am the savior. I am the Messiah. I am the truth and the way. You need to follow me. This is him telling people of high positions, of high importance, priests and high priests. You think they accepted him right away? Oh, man, Jesus had it hard. You think you got it hard? Jesus had it hard. The son of a living God, and everybody mocked him. They said, who are you? You're nobody. I mean, of course, yeah, the, the proclamations were a little bit crazy, a little bit bold, huh? I am the way. I am the savior. You all, you old farts need to follow me, a younger guy. And it says that in one instance, they even threw him in Luke. It says they threw him out of the church. They dragged him, took him to the edge of a cliff. Watch this. And they threw him off of a cliff. Do you remember that story in the Bible about Jesus? Not a lot of people talk about it. And it says that Jesus, because he had basketball feet, before he fell, boom, and he landed on his feet. My man got feet. Is that what you say? Like when they got hands, they got feet. <laughs> Yeah, man. Tough crowd. And he landed, and he made his way through the forest, and he ran away. I love that story. You know why? 
Because those people, they said, you're nobody. They discredited him. They said, you're no one to come teach this and make these proclamations and make these bold statements because somebody's been speaking about the Messiah for centuries now and they're all still waiting and here comes this 30 year old guy and just like that's me it's like you coming into some place that you have no experience in and says I'm the answer to all your questions that's bold and being bold it starts with B is being brave because when you're brave you're brave because you know you're right in God and when you're right you know that God is with you and you can make statements like that. You can walk into a place and say, devil be gone, yeah. and the devil's going to leave. Amen. You can walk into a place and say, sickness be gone, and it's going to leave. Because right. you got to be bold, because bold is being brave. Yeah. But you got to be brave for the right reason. And Jesus was just that. He was brave. They attempted to throw him off a cliff. Ah, oh, boy. You think you would have came back to that synagogue and preached again? Nah. Nah, don't look at me like you're brave. You, you would have been like, nope. I'm not going back. They're going to throw me off a cliff. What did Jesus do? He continued preaching. He went to the next church and to the next and to the next and to the next. And they continued to discredit him because let me tell you something. When you go against the mold, when you go against an establishment, when you go against laws and rules that are already in place, people are going to hate you. So when you proclaim the name of Jesus, this world might hate you, but God has a prize for you, for you could continue to praise his name. Somebody needs, to, somebody needs to hear that because we've been afraid for too long. We've been afraid for too long to say, yes, Jesus is my God. Jesus is my savior. I live for Jesus. No, I'm not a human. I'm a Christian. We've been afraid too long to say that. We've been afraid to proclaim that our savior is our savior. But at the beginning of this message, I said, hey, we got to understand that Jesus is everything. Everybody said amen in church. Wow. In church. I challenge everyone, including myself, that we say that amen, that Jesus is who he is in our lives every day outside of these doors. Yeah. Every day, amen. driving by the car to the toll person, Jesus is God. Pay him that dollar. Jesus is God. Here's my money for my burger. Jesus is God. Do it. That's being bold, that's being brave, that's telling all the, the old people with position and statuses that Jesus is God, just like Jesus said. They might take the cheese out of your burger, but Jesus continued to do it. There's other burgers. They gotta let go of fear. Fear reaches so many intricate parts of our lives that at one point we don't know how to even catch up with it. Fear holds us back from things we have to do even in the simplest ones, in the simplest ways. Some people are afraid to drive. That's fine. That's fear. Some people are outside to walk through. Uh, they're afraid to go through D.C. on foot. I'm going to get stabbed. Some people are afraid of simple, simple little things. And you're not afraid of that. You're afraid of something deeper that makes you afraid of those simple things. Sometimes we're afraid that we don't know who we are that we don't know where we come from. Everybody in this room knows where they come from, amen? Right. Yeah. Sometimes we're afraid that we don't know what we're gonna do next. Everybody in this room knows where we're going next, amen? Yeah. Sometimes we're just afraid for no reason. Ask me why I'm afraid of spiders. I saw a movie where the spiders killed people. That's the stem of my fear. And I am truly afraid of them. You following where I'm going here? You have to let go of fear because fear doesn't belong in your body. 
Fear doesn't belong in my body or in your body or in yours or in yours or in yours. It doesn't belong in your life, in your house, in your ministry, in your calling or in your future. I cancel that. I cancel that. I don't believe it. Never, 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 never. Fear causes you to back down. I can imagine Jesus being thrown off that cliff and says, man, this is kind of crazy. I don't know, God, I think you got the wrong angel. Send, you know, another dude up here, get me back to heaven. I'm going to back up from this. Because he saw one tough situation. He saw it a little bit hard one time. Man, we are so quick, so quick to quit when it gets hard. So quick. And we're quick to, to, to quit, not because we don't know how to do what we got to do in that certain situation, just because we've let fear creep in so, so much into our body. I have a, I have a verse, Matthew 10, 28, if you're taking notes. I'm going to read it to you. And do not fear those who kill the body, but, here comes the but, here comes the lesson, but, say but, but. say but. but, say but, look at your neighbor, ask him how big is their... And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That's deep. That's super deep. I can't breathe right now. Super deep. Do not fear anybody that can kill your body, but can't kill your soul. That's anybody. On, that's anything. Anything you're afraid of, don't fear it. It may hurt your body. It may cut your arm off. It could kill you, but it'll never kill your soul. Instead, fear God who can do both who can kill you and send your soul to, the, to, the, to hell. That's simple. That right there, for all the preacher huddle students, when, you know, when we go deep into the Greek and all that, that's simple. I found it for you. Be afraid of God and that's it. That's all that it says. Be afraid of nothing else and no one else. Who's going to let go of fear? Amen. I'm letting go of fear today in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Point number three, learn to step up. Mm, learn to step up. See, Jesus understood that time was important. He understood that he could not be afraid in his ministry even though everybody went against them. And he also understood that at one point, at one time in his ministry, at one point in his life, he had to step up and take his place. And unfortunately, his place was that of the ultimate sacrifice, was to die. When you don't understand time and when you let fear control you, you'll never be able to step up. What does step up mean? Your calling, your purpose, your mission. To take in control what you need to do. To take control of your life through Jesus. To say, hey, I want to serve over there, but I don't know how. That's the Walking into that is stepping up. But it has to be the right time. And you cannot be afraid. Amen? After the church was built and Jesus spread throughout the areas and he put disciples in place. And he had done all the great miracles. Jesus knew that it was time. It was time to die. It was time to go. It was time to complete his mission. Remember what we said, three? Jesus' ministry only lasted three years. Isn't that interesting? Only three years. So what have you have done in three years? What can you do in three years? What do you choose to do in the next three years? Because this man that was just like you and me did something amazing in the last three years of his life. We're all capable of doing that. We are all capable of the miracles and the wonders because Jesus says you will do and do greater things than I did. Who believes that? I believe that. I take that to my heart. I live my life that way now. In Revelations 1, 17 and 8, it says, when I saw him, this is John speaking, when I saw him, I fell at his feet 
as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and he said, do not be afraid. What did he say? I am the first and the last, signifying time. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death and Hades. This man just broke down my whole preaching in one verse. He said everything I said in the last 30 minutes in one verse. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I will always be here. Is that, that's what that means for you. Don't be afraid. I'm always here. I was dead. I came to life and I hold the keys to both heaven and hell. How wonderful. My Savior scars. Victorious. My chains are gone. My debt is paid. Unbelievable. My debt is paid. We live a life sometimes trying to pay a debt that we don't owe. That's been paid Amen. through blood, yeah. the blood of Jesus. That's right. That's right. Help me out, Martinez. He claimed to be the son of God and they rejected him. This is Peter, by the way. We're gonna name him Peter. Shout out to my niece, Kalea, for providing the sheep. She doesn't know she provided it. <laughs> Thank you, brother. This is a sheep. When God knew he had to step up, he knew he had to die. That was the completion of his mission, the culmination of his life, the culmination of three years of work. And then the Bible says that the Lord is my shepherd. So right now I'm a shepherd. And the shepherd has two things, a staff and sheep. And I don't know if you know, but in the Bible, it refers to sheep as us, his people. Unfortunately, sheep are very dumb animals. Thanks, God. They're very dumb. They have a very low brain IQ. They do as they're told and go as they, uh, when they're in the places that they're put. They don't make any decisions. And it says that the shepherd has a staff, kind of like this. He usually has a rounded hook, but I couldn't find one. And they're sheep. And I don't know if you know about farming, but a sheep, like the Bible says that God was, that Jesus was when he died on the cross, the lamb that he was. Although they may be not the smartest animals, they're very passive, very tranquil animals, very calm. I've had the pleasure of being around them. And I've also had the pleasure of harvesting one. And let me tell you quickly that experience. I went out and I bought one because I wanted to do a barbecue and I felt very in the time of Jesus. So I said, I'm gonna get a lamb, not a goat, not a pig, a lamb. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And I bring this animal home and it made no noise on the way in the car ride, 30 minutes, made no noise. And I bring it outside to where it was gonna be dispatched. And I laid it on its side and dispatched it. Little did I know that I was going to be an experience for me, that I felt that so deeply inside of me. Why? Because it made no noise. It didn't fight back. Why? Because somehow these animals know that they live a life where they, sh they get shaved off all the time and they get put from one place or another. But somehow these animals know that they're built for the slaughter. So Jesus carried a cross, I don't know how long, but far through a city, he was spit at and chewed at. He was thrown things. 
They put a thorn cross on him, and he didn't fight back. Think about that for one moment. The most powerful being on earth that could have called a legion of angels and wiped us all out. And he says, no, I'm going to be like a lamb, like a sheep, and I'm going to let them lie me down and dispatch me. And when I did that, for the sake of a barbecue, I almost wanted to cry because I couldn't think about anything else but the way Jesus died. And it was such a profound moment that I realized that Jesus understood, and that happened many years ago, and this message is, is, is current, is that Jesus understood that he had to live a time of obscurity to move in the correct time. His fear could not stop him because if his fear would have stopped him, he wouldn't have committed the ultimate sacrifice. He wouldn't have done the ultimate favor for all humanity who didn't deserve it. He wouldn't have died and paid for your sins and my sins. That debt you keep trying to pay is paid. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. And a lot of the times we have fear and we move out of the wrong time and we don't take our place, we don't step up because we're taught incorrectly. And in the holy name of Jesus, and whoever is watching and hearing, I come to cancel a lie that we've all been told for too long. The staff of a shepherd, of a leader, of a pastor, of a Christian, was never meant to hurt the sheep. And it was never meant to hit them. It was never meant to stab at them. The staff was given to the shepherd to guide the sheep into the correct locations into the correct places. This staff was given to fight off the wolf. It was never meant to hurt the sheep. And some of us have been hurt, which is why we're on the wrong time. Some of us have been instilled fear because we kept getting hit and hit and hit when this was never for that. Some of us could have stepped into our callings, into our positions, into our ministries many years ago. But we haven't. Because we've always had this used the wrong way. I cancel that in the holy name of Jesus. And for all those stubborn Christians and pastors out there, let me prove it to you that this is not meant for that. Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. He guides me. Read it with me. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Here's the part that, I, that I'm going to prove it all to. Your rod and your staff comfort me. Comfort me. Don't attack me. Don't degrade me. Don't put me down. Don't hurt me. Your rod and your staff comforts me. And I say this today because as you begin to move in the time of God, you begin to let go of your fear and you begin to step up. When you step up, you got to do as Jesus did. Don't cause any more pain. That pain has already been caused. There's enough of that in the world. I'm sick of it. Be the right shepherd. Use this for the right reason. Because when you move into your position, into your calling, whatever they may be, it's to guide and to protect. Enough, enough of using what God meant for us as a weapon. Because of that is why we don't understand the life of Jesus. Why we forget the little things he did that mean so much, not just the crucifixion. And I don't know who that's for or who's going to hear that, but I cancel that. 
enough. Jesus is all love and grace and mercy. That sacrifice of laying down and being slaughtered willingly was for nothing, no. The last three years of Jesus' life were the first, year, the first period for all eternity. The last sacrifice that Jesus committed was the first move to give you eternal life and me. So as I end, I go back to my question. If you had three years left to live, what would you do? What would you choose to do? What path would you choose to follow? Have you done enough so that when you depart, people can say, what a great life that person lived? Once again, much love and appreciation for listening to today's message. I'm so glad that you've been a part of the listening experience. But let me tell you, there's nothing like the live experience. It cannot be explained, only experienced. And so I encourage you to come out on a Sunday so you can listen to the messages live and be a part of a wonderful atmosphere within family and within community. You can find more information about our gatherings on our website at myhopecenter.org. Also make sure to follow us. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Our handle is at my hope center. I also encourage you to subscribe to our podcast so that you get notified as soon as we upload content. Make sure to share it with your friends and your family. There's someone that you know that could really benefit from these messages. So make sure to spread the word about what's happening here on the Hope Huddle podcast. So again, I hope to see you soon. Until then, peace, love, and God bless.